I don't know if you saw this, but Mark sort of dug into the archives and linked back to the Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I, I saw that. I saw that. That was interesting yeah, and quite nice. Terribly nice of him. And I thought it might fit in if he just brought those back. And then I can say something nice in this LinkedIn post along the line of, oh, by the way, we just dropped this again into the feed. So sh should we do that? And then yeah, yeah. for the day? I, I, thought, I thought what we were saying was what we were recording. Yeah, sort of. So so just drop the team song here. <laughs> and we'll bring back Mark Wainwright with his insights around sales processes and CRM. I'll just I'll just let's let's give ourselves an easy Friday and I'll just drop Mark's first episode back into the feed because I really liked what he had to say about the how you gotta figure exactly. the sales process out before yep. you pause here and say that again. Before you buy the shiny CRM tool, right? Because that's not gonna help you. Um, yep. if you don't have the process done. Good stuff. All right. Um, that's it. Theme song. I'm out. Bye. Because I'm hungry. <laughs> See ya, Ash. See ya. From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Do you want to start there and explain a little bit how that works? Sure. Yeah, I kind of stumbled across this whole kind of fractional sales management thing about five years ago. And I have about 20 years of experience working for and with professional services firms. So I brought those two ideas together. There's lots of, of fractional uh, professionals out there, yeah. CFOs, CTOs, those sorts of things. And I brought sort of a sales lens to that fractional approach. So I work only with professional services firms, and I only work with individuals who are not full-time sales people. Mm -hmm. So a little strange, I'm offering sales management to a people who aren't really comfortable with the world, world of sales, even saying the term sales gets them a little, a little squeamish. Yeah. Uh, and, and I offer sales management to those individuals and to those firms. And there's two fundamental parts of sales management. And one is I train and coach individuals on how to, um, you know, improve their sales acumen, you know, get mm -hmm. more com comfortable and confident um, with sales. And I also help build and run the systems, the sales systems that organizations need to stay organized and to kind of build that whole sort of revenue engine. Yeah. And Honestly, that's that's when when we stumbled upon your content and your website. That's why we wanted to invite you, have you on that second part right there, because we we think that the sales systems and processes, like you describe it, those, those need to be much better understood in in our world, which is the marketing side of professional services. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we just discussed this before turning the mic on. We had a little call beforehand mm -hmm. on chat beforehand, and you walked us through the very basics of setting up a sales process system matter you have to tell me what the better word is for, for a consulting practice what that might look like and then we can we can i think that's a very helpful thing to do for our listeners so yeah that's where right. we we wanted to go with you today if you don't mind because we do ash and i we talk about the importance of sales yeah. all the time we, we encourage people to go into their firm's crms if they exist <laughs> to drive reports <laughs> 
which might be helpful for the marketing. And whenever we do and have those conversations, we realize that there is some knowledge, mm -hmm. but not very much. And uh, from a boss of mine always had this saying in German, which drove me nuts, but he said half knowledge. I don't know if that translates well, but half knowledge often endangers the entire project. <laughs> like so, mm. so only knowing 30% of something can be quite risky. Yeah, so there we the, go. Let's uh, let's talk some more sales process if you like. <clears throat> I think the the phrase that you just said, maybe the American version of that is that you know you know just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is that is the one that I hear. Um, okay. And probably use. But it's probably good to set out a little terminology here. Let's talk about sales and marketing because there's always a little bit of confusion. In some instances, there's a little bit of tension, maybe a little bit of conflict between the two. Mm -hmm. So I look at those two things differently. Some firms think they're the same thing and there's a ton of overlap. But if you start at, you can start at either end, you can start at the marketing end or the sales end. If you talk about when the, when the, the, the ink is drying on a piece of paper on the contract and the work is to begin, What's happening at that moment are selling activities. And if you rewind the clock slowly, you're still kind of in the middle of sales activities. At some point, those activities start to overlap a little bit, maybe with marketing and then rewinding further, you're clearly in, 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 the, world of, in the world of marketing. Marketing's task is to you know, generate interest, awareness, engagement, and so on, and, and, and yeah. then hopefully be able to you know, generate um, interest to the level where uh, you have leads that are being uh, kind of handed off or, or, or presented to the, to the sales team to then work and close, right? Those are sort of like sales yeah. and marketing terms, right? I also try to different, differentiate the two in that marketing activities are one-to-many activities yeah. and sales mm -hmm. activities are one-to-one. And I also like to think that marketing is more promotional and sales is more inquiry-based. So I look at those two things a little bit differently. So just to differentiate with the two. And your audience may be very familiar with that. They may have those ideas in their head. But I know in professional services, often they get confused, particularly in the industries that I work in. I work with a lot of engineers and architects and, yeah. and, and those folks, yeah. and they just use those terms interchangeably. And if I just can... can hop on there because yeah. you said our audience might be familiar. I think they are. Um, but I just want to point out that there's still, there's always merit and still doing what you just did and defining it with the business. I mean, Ash and I drone on about this all, all the time, but yeah. there's, there's so much confusion around all these things, just creating clarity around even the basics here sometimes already helps overcome some, some naughty problems. In, in front. I just wanted to drop that. Yeah, it's a, yeah it's, it's a refresher primarily because people, are aware of these things but not the qualifiers and because they're not looking at the qualifiers and looking at a big picture because often when looking at some of the people that be who listen into us they kind of work on both the marketing and sales end yeah true and it kind of like you know they mix them up purely because they're looking at the entire journey and funnel and on and when you do that you kind of miss a few things a few nuances yeah. so when, especially as they hand over to like teams as they you know widen their business yeah. right right great great point and and also i think if people look at that entire process it can be confusing and i mm -hmm. run into that a lot with a lot of the individuals i work with a lot of technical professionals who aren't necessarily sales or marketing minded mm. and they're overwhelmed about how do i move someone from not knowing us to you know contracting work with us how is that how is that even possible so anything that that lacks clarity lacks definition uh, just yeah. becomes confusing and they sort of short circuit and they're like, all right, I'm not going to participate in that, which is a common problem in many 
uh, professional services firms is that you don't have enough individuals who understand and who are actively engaged in in all of this in the finding and winning new work mm -hmm. yeah yeah so definitions check right or high level definitions check. done you recently wrote an, a blog post i think it was part of a series actually which which and we'll put that in the show notes where you where you walk people through the setup of a very foundational sale i'm going to call it a sales process which then can sure, even get will even get represented in software but to be clear and that's why i like the article you don't even talk about crms here you just say here's how you would represent that in a spreadsheet and people can can go and check it out but maybe can can you walk us through the you just described the sliding scale so how, how does this let's presume yeah. we've got the marketing done and i think maybe we are at the point where someone has written some email and instead of we, we're exploring working with your firm let's say we, mm. we pick up there if you agree, like how would you structure a sales process or how do you structure sales processes for, for your clients from, from that starting point, maybe? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we can get into the nitty gritty of, of, of that. If we, if we have time at the end, there's so many little details. Okay. But overall, yep. mm -hmm. from, a, from a business process standpoint, and, and, and we've, we've talked a little bit about this, is that you know, CRM and selling has to be a business function and a business process. And then the tools come in after that to help sort of support that process and enhance it and make yeah. it uh, yeah, uh, like more that. efficient and more effective and things. So, so if if organizations are struggling with sales, a lot of times that means that they don't have sort of a a fundamental business process in place, or the you know bits and pieces of it. Who does what? When? When do we have certain conversations? What activities are related to? you know, advancing opportunities within our sales pipeline. If they just don't have that structure in place, yeah. um, then no CRM system, no silver bullet, anything is going to sort of help them be successful at that. Yeah. So first and foremost, when we talk about a process, it has to be, it, it's a business process and it has to do with activities and behaviors and, and, and people that mm. are inside your firm and how they are interacting with your perspective and, and, and current clients. So that's when I look at the sales process, it always starts with the people first and it starts with the activities and the conversations that they are having. When I refer to the sales process with the clients I work with, I refer to mm. it as the sales conversations because oh, particularly in professional services um, where there is a low frequency, high dollar, complex, you know, deliverable or, or service offering, it, it inherently means that this needs to be shepherded through with conversations. Now we've yeah. all heard the information that, you know, the, the, the B2B buyer is progressing through their own sort of buying process, a good ways before they start to engage prospective, you know, service you know, consultants or, or, or people who can, who can help them. But nevertheless, there's still conversations required hard. And one of the things we really don't understand about the whole buying and selling, uh, world that I like to make sure I highlight is that we all think that sell marketing's hard, selling is hard. You know what else is hard? <laughs> Buying is hard. Yeah. Buying is very, very difficult. And one of the one of the biggest challenges of both marketing and sales is to make that easier. And we don't do a good job of that. I would say yeah. and we, as in sort of the world of professional services, because we offer more and more complex services, we just don't make that whole buying process very easy. So from a process standpoint, it's about the people, it's about these conversations. And once you have that in place, or once you, once you start to find something that is successful and effective, then you can start to build these systems kind of around that. And I think that's what we'll talk about in a little bit is that 
what does a CRM system start to look like? Hmm. What are the bits and pieces of that that form around your business process? But but just uh, one moment, pause. When you say the the people in the conversations, so you tr you you define a sort of a what is that a cadence or a sequence or whatever, where we hmm. where we are clear about. If a prospective client comes in through the door here, a virtual door, who who talks to them, and what's the first conversation about? What's the second conversation? Like how many ever you know you, you sort of define, right? That's that's the idea. Yep. So yep, yep. Okay, absolutely. <clears throat> and and you could do that right on a whiteboard or something, right? It's beginning mm -hmm. points. Yep. You could just you would just literally draw it out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and and I think what one important thing to keep in keep in mind with all of this is that there's always a there's a a, 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 a rational logic approach to all of this you know it's like yeah. what is what first conversation would you have with an individual that you have not had with them previously mm -hmm. you know and and well it would be a get to know you conversation and you would want to talk less about potential work to be done and talk more about their priorities their preferences yeah. those types of things and then you and then you kind of move forward from there so that's that's yeah. where those where the, the and, and I think we get we get in professional services we race to the solution really really quickly and um, so yeah. we start with look, that. Look at what we have here. So yeah, you don't even awesome. get into that whole conversation. More importantly, you don't sometimes even like chat that you've done this. And when you talk yeah. about CRM, that's that's a big thing. It's like should we talk? Should we actually record that we've done this? Should we like put anything? They, they just as you guys were saying, like go straight into the deal. I've. <laughs> I have I have current clients under contract that never in the entire sales process did I pitch. Did I get into detail? Did I pull out the slide deck? Did I do anything? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I ne th that conversation never happened because of the simple fact that I approached approach sales from an inquiry from 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 inquiry and I started asking questions, you know, right off the bat, preferences, priorities, what's important to them, etc. So mm -hmm. Over time, they start to infer my expertise rather than me needing to sort of you know highlight it and be explicit about it. I mean, at some point, you know, there are there are a few things that I like to show to help people sort of visualize and navigate this whole this whole mm. sort of process because this is a process that takes time. But I I, I never and maybe rarely get to the point where I'm like, okay, now it's time to pitch because it's just that's just me talking. Right, and it's just that it's not it's not what this is about. If I'm going to be truly client centric, I need to I need to be focused on them. And when I'm focused on them, that means they're doing the talking, right? And yeah. I think a lot of times sales fails with this. And and you know the clients that I work with, even you know even folks that are humble engineers who you know would would never be sort of promotional or boastful in nature or things. They just their default setting is thing. I'm just going to talk about myself because that's yeah. what I know and that's what I'm comfortable with. So. Which I think that's interesting because as you going back to this idea of this describing or maybe prescribing, I don't know, but a structure of types of conversations, you can you can sort of program that in, right? Imagine yourself still being at the whiteboard and saying, okay, first question, like I said, it's a get to know us meeting. Here's a couple of questions you might want to do. And then the next step is this and this and that. And, and yeah, you could program that to be to be client centric. I can I can see that. Now there is lots of lingo out there in sales world. And I think it's brought to us courtesy of CRM software, right? Typically people talk about stages, right? Someone comes in as a marketing qualified lead, some black box stuff happens, suddenly they're a sales qualified lead, then they become an opportunity. 
as, can you shed some light because we had we had definitions of are you mm. do you use this with your clients as well because i mean you do have to have some steps if you define a process mm. but but how, how important yeah, is that yeah, the, lingo the, there the, the, yeah the, the lingo and terminology can be very very confusing leads as you said leads are people leads are individuals right mm. um or you know there is not some piece of work or uh you know i work with a lot of project-based um yeah. organizations there is no project floating around, you know, in the ether or across the universe that isn't associated with an individual. It's just, it's not floating around out there. There's always an individual associated with the the lead, right? That's a, a lead is a is a is a person. Yeah. And an opportunity is that person associated with an organization associated with work to be done, a contractable opportunity, right? So that's you know a, a, a deal. That's that's an opportunity, and uh, sometimes they get kind of confused. Some people even you know when they start using CRM systems, they don't see the utility in creating because mm -hmm. most CRM systems will separate those things two things out. They'll say, okay, these are your leads and these are your deal opportunities. Um, they don't see the utility in creating that separation. It, it is important because when things become opportunities, we start looking at them a little bit differently, yeah. and we can talk about that. But yes, uh, a lead is a is a is a person, and an opportunity is when we qualify that. And the qualification has to do with a number of things. And different businesses, different organizations have to overlay a process onto that. There can be things like timing. There can be things like understanding decision makers and decision making processes. Other things like that. You know, it's it's in professional mm -hmm. services. I tend to think we we have to prioritize the qualification of the client and mm -hmm. the qualification of the work to be done somewhat separately, but nevertheless, both are important components. I think a lot of times what we find in professional services is that service providers are simply qualifying the work to be done and not really paying enough attention to qualifying the client. So I think there's a really critical two-part sort of qualification, which which moves it from a lead to an opportunity interesting and by qualifying use i mean in the broader sense what we mean is we we, we validate that that will be a good fit service is easy right is that the type of work we do can we do we seem to have a reasonable chance of being successful doing this yep. and when you say they don't qualify the client well enough what's what's that about is that does that go into areas like i don't know cultural fit do you know? Do we like the people? Is that a brand we want to associate ourselves an, with? I don't know. What's what's that? Yeah, could it be more like you know the opportunity fit, or rather the offering fit, even? Uh, yeah, to a degree, you know, just to just to make sure that that I mean, we can't. There's no solution without a problem, right? You know, yeah. and a lot of times the you know we're 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 out there kind of offering offering these solutions up and in search of a in search of a problem, which is not which is not a good approach, <laughs> but. Uh, um, you know, more important, like what highlights the importance of what I just said about qualifying both the work to be done and the client is that if you fast forward six months down the road, 12 months down the road, depending on how long this sole service delivery contracted work takes, inevitably the issues do not arise from the complex or technical uh, complexities of the work to be done. Problems often arise or, you know, 90% of the time or from just the client you know, consultant dynamic, just a lack of yeah. communication, you know, where, uh -huh. uh, you know, expectations aren't clear. There's just all kinds of different issues that arise from the relationship and not the work, right? So yeah. we're inevitably, we're banging our heads against the wall because the client is being unresponsive or we're just out of sync or we're just not simpatico. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so that then thinks, well, how could we, 
how could we avoid that? How could we address that ahead of time? And it's like, well, we go through a rigorous qualification process where we're qualifying the client and we're making sure that, you know, we are of like mind, that we are in sync, that they do in fact have, you know, the the same the 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 same goals, you know, in, in mind that we can help them help them achieve. So yeah, I think it's it's absolutely a two part and in in a lot of times we just focus on the work to be done. So yeah, so that's a big yeah. first step. That's a big first step. And we have to the other the other thing I'll add to that is that all throughout the sales process, we have to be hyper aware of any yellow flags or red red flags that start to crop up in this entire process. So we need to build a build a sales process that brings those to the surface. Yeah, that's really interesting. If you like track this in a whole process, it makes it more efficient and it actually helps them from what you're saying to because why chase someone who's just going to be a constant red flag. Right. Right. It's 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 true. So so that the inquiry that you mm -hmm. would bring in in the early stages of it, your mind goes, wow, do you think, oh, uh, how, how do you like to communicate? How often do you like to communicate? Um, you know, how much time, you know, should we provide for, you know, sufficient back and forth if we're in an asynchronous sort of, you know, uh, communication situation? What tools do we need to communicate? You know, how should we, how should we assess and reassess that we are on track? Um, mm -hmm. You know, can we have open and honest conversations about the progress of our work together? Um, you know, are, 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 are you willing to give and take as we move through this? Because we know there's going to be, um, you know, speed bumps and hurdles, and there's going to be things that we run into together. You know, are you willing to, to, you know, have very genuine, open and honest conversations? Or are we going to find ourselves where you're just in a cover your ass situation, and we're really not having these genuine, you know, yeah. conversations? Yeah. Um, you know, are we all pursuing the same goals together? Right? Yeah. So and, these and are there's... early, early questions that we need to suss out. Yeah. So that's interesting because you, 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 I think we're bridging from. So we've defined the process. That's cool. Mm. Then we've discussed, or what you said there is, I think, established very clear criteria about who gets to be taken through it. Right. That's what you just talked about. And then, yes. and now we're already in, also establishing criteria from. I think, uh, who gets to progress from one step in our process to the next? Right. How do we make that sure? Because what you're describing here is, I already okay. They have. It was good enough, so we take them to step one, right? We're having the get to know them conversation, and you are outlining yeah. questions to take there, right? So, so okay, I guess we have to do that for every step now, right? We have to say, okay, what's who's when is someone good to move on to the next thing? Right. Um, what this makes me want to ask is, how about responsibilities? Because that's again a CRM thing, right? I assign also a contact from inside mm -hmm. my firm to the opportunity right so who, who's who's asking the questions do you is that always super clear or or do, do you recommend firms also define that or is it just a whoever brought in the opportunity or has time or whoever picks it up or we have two people on the senior team who do this and that's how it works so how, what's your model there for, for the rest right of the right uh, it, yeah. it's a it's a it's a valid question i think the larger the organization the the more complex that situation can be but yeah. no no yeah. opportunity or no deal can survive without an internal champion so yeah. i think ultimately it comes down to to an individual to champion that, you know, again, if we're talking about, you know, relationships and individuals in professional services that we're delivering these complex services, the people element is really important and to have a central point of ownerships is critical. If the, the other thing that, that comes from this is that if ownership and responsibility is diffuse, 
you know yeah nightmare everybody's job is nobody's job right that's yeah. that's a huge <laughs> yeah. problem on one hand and the other thing is that when we start to kind of understand attribution because attribution is super important you know we have to be able to attribute revenue to specific individuals in an organization to understand how how they're how they're performing how they're yeah. growing that over time you know mm -hmm. and i think a lot of times firms are hesitant to do that because like oh it was a team deal it's like it wasn't a team deal it was bill's bill's deal bill brought it in he closed it it's bill's thing you yeah. are all supporting bill in his effort that's good so we and you know and yeah, and if you're ahead. not super clear about that, sorry, I, because that is something I've seen, not being in sales, but I've seen, I've, I've witnessed the fallout from that not being clear when there's all kinds of what we used to call tagging shenanigans, right? Stuff gets moved around and so mm. three partners get together and reattribute to make sure everybody gets the, you know, the, their fair yeah. share come performance reviews, like all that nonsense. And it's not, it's not done in like sinister evil intentions. It's just people will use the wiggle room in the system if it's if it's there right so i think and, it's it's important to be clear about hmm. when you mention attribution how that gets done and and how decisions are being made if something's not clear like there should be a i don't like i don't know how the lawyers call it but there should be a, a mitigation process for there's an exception and now our rules aren't aren't sure. good enough and we need to make a decision right how to do this but can I ask a question about that? Your recommendation here, because we like you heard this, you hear this from software as a service companies and other B two B businesses, like that the front end piece, like marketing, gives a lead to, and this is where the bracket is, right? And then it's often a sales rep or something like that. I think what's your recommendation for professional services firms, or what do you see happen? Is it is it goes does it go to the partner or the MD or whatever straight away? Like let's say it's a credible opportunity. What's what's your view there? How how do that the handover who does the first hmm. when marketing is finished who picks it up even even right. just for a short time what's a good it, thing it's there? it's you know and and i and, and i mentioned this i it, it varies from organization to organization obviously the large yeah. organizations that have more resources they can bring they have bigger deals the deals are more complex it's probably someone sort of on the you know project management level almost okay. that helps coordinate this because ultimately um, you know, if all deals sit at the partner, you know, managing director level, whatever it is, is that those yeah. people have so many different you know, responsibilities in organization. It's really hard for them to 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 shepherd and do the day to day or the week to week that's involved in very complex deals. So, you know, I frankly prefer that someone who is uh, very focused, very diligent, and able to pay a lot of attention to these deals kind of own them. So I'm very happy having someone that's a little closer to sort of the project management level own opportunities. Yeah, interesting. Um, mm. Because they're task oriented. And I will tell you, um, the people who end up being the most successful at professional services are the people who can bring, you know, a diligence and a rigor in an organization, have the titles, you know, have been doing this for decades, whatever else, you know, the people who are really, really organized succeeding. So that's where I think uh, these things end up being most successful. And I, you know, I hesitate often to bring the word hustle into this because a lot of people think oh yeah sales it's just a big hustle um but hustle from a rigor and a diligent standpoint is yeah. super important when we start talking about sales and and you need someone leading the charge that can bring that to opportunities particularly in professional services where these deals are big yeah and i, th I think yeah. there's a there's a positive back and i mean we've probably all been on the receiving end right of uh partner flies in sells the dream and then the team is yeah. stuck with delivering it. I think that probably yeah. tends to happen less, right? If if to your point, if the project manager 
runs it, who's still in in the trenches and knows what the team can deliver and whatnot, right? I mean, there's always you you always have a little bit of overselling here and there, maybe even with the mm-hmm. project managers, but I think the risks there are mm-hmm. way less in terms of yeah, 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 yeah which then point. also makes for a better client experience, right? Yeah, so so there. yeah, from a let's <clears throat> so so we talked a bit about the qualification thing. I know people are yeah. like, well, okay, what's next? What's next? So so I'll I'll just go over it really quickly. I mean, generally the process as the steps in the process, and you'll if you've had used a CRM system for a while, or if you've been familiar with business processes, you know, sales process, a lot of these are built this way. Um, but there's a qualification process, you know, which is the fierce defender of your pipeline, right? And I want to yeah. highlight that and we can talk about that. But, you know, it's a you should be beating off bad opportunities with a stick, right? You should have that mentality that nothing, nothing that isn't worthy of our organization should be in our pipeline, right? So that's, that's qualification. You're trying to find out, you know, qualifying the people, you're qualifying the opportunity, the work to be done, um, and you're 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 quickly removing anything that shouldn't shouldn't be there. The next step in this whole process has to do with discovery, learning again, inquiry based, discovering the details of the work to be done, discovering the nuances of the, of, of of the team of the organization, what their big goals are, what their dreams are, and you know, primary and importance in all of this is you know not making not making your discovery focused on the tasks and the what the what they get right that's task orientation that's deliverable focused what they get right what they get out of it is the shift when when you move to okay what their ultimate goal is and what they're going to assign value to Hmm. so discovery has to be focused on what they get out of it surfacing the the value the ultimate economic value of the work to be done and what the client ultimately wants to achieve. So discovery is focused on that. A proposal should simply address your discovery. That's it. A proposal is not all about your organization. It's not about your awards. It's not your, you know, the 14 resumes of your team members. It's not your 30 years of experience and your cut sheets and all that other stuff. It's your proposal is a yin yang response to the discovery. In discovery, we understand all of these things. This is your organizational goals. This is what you want to get out of this work to be done. This is when you want to get get it done by, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Our propo- this is how our proposal addresses that. This is how we will address that. This is how we will achieve the goals. This is how we will achieve the timeline, et cetera. That's it, right? Yeah. And then obviously there's the pricing. Then you bring in pricing, you're bringing your three option pricing. You know, if you're fans of um, Blair Enns and Jonathan Stark and the other folks out there who do a really, really yeah. great job about pricing and value pricing and everything else. You provide a three option of pricing proposals. So, so we get to that. And then negotiation is really important. A lot of people think, oh, we don't need to have negotiation in our sales process. Um, because, you know, once we give them a proposal that they accept, we cut 10% off in the fee because they asked us to, and then we're done. Um, well, you need to have negotiation there because you should be proposing solutions that invite a conversation. And number two, will invite some level of negotiation. It's like, oh, that's really expensive, but we really want that. Yeah. So negotiation has to do with kind of surfacing these default behavior in people. Like, oh, ooh, that's, that's, that's really important, but we're, we can't spend that much. Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble if we spend that. You know. So there's all these things that start to surface in negotiation because we're right at the point where the, the the pen is about to hit the paper and we mm. get all these really sort of like human behavioral things starting to surface. So negotiation is a super important part. It's recognizing objections or concerns, addressing those piece by 
piece by piece and not necessarily addressing them from a price standpoint, but addressing them from a, well, you know, what are, what are all the pieces of the puzzle that we can use to address? Yeah, a, a scoping standpoint as well, right? Yeah. Sure, um, sure. Scope, well, we, yeah. sure, we, we can pull out 20% of scope. We can do something just to get started. You know, if we're unsure about spending a quarter million dollars right now, let's just spend 50 and get started, you know, which is hopefully is one of your options. Or you can say, look, let's adjust terms. Mm -hmm. um, you pay us up front and you get a 10% discount. You don't pay us until we're, the work is completely, you know, you don't pay us a cent mm -hmm. until we've delivered everything and you give us a 10% bumper. You know, there's all different ways to negotiate yeah. at the end of a contract that, that doesn't mean you sort of dropping your fee, which chews away your profit and there you yeah. go. So, so that's, and, there's our framework. There's our steps. Boom, 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 boom. I just ran through them. And a CRM is one of the things that we can use to help run that. Yeah, to replicate those. And and I will okay. recommend people find your article and, and, and read it to, to see how they might be able to build that thing in a yeah. spreadsheet. But I think the, the essentially the idea is like people know Jira boards, like got these Kanban boards, right? The logic is the same in columns in the spreadsheet. You move yep. this from the stages you just described from left to right. And it's, there's some clarity on who are the people involved on the client side and on our, who's the shepherd on our side, these types of things. I, I really liked, um, to, wanted to make two points. So I liked your point about the negotiation and the, the options. And I think the go, they go with each other, right? If I offer not one price, but three options, yes, there will have to be a conversation following that proposal, right? right. To, and to maybe, and to your point, helping the client buy, again, if, if the intent is, I help them pick the best option for them, right? That can be useful. You, you might also go in and say, I try to push them to the most expensive thing, but that's probably a losing proposition. I don't know. Um, and and my the other thing I wanted to shout out is in those conversations, and I know we're talking sales, but just a reminder, if interesting pushback and interesting objections come up, do your marketing team a favor, bring those back to us because that can mm. inform our content planning. For the, right? the If you go out of the negotiation and then you're like, damn it, I wish they just understood X so they would have bought the most expensive option. Like, give us mm. the X, right? We can we can turn it into a blog post. That, that's almost a joke here. But we can yeah. turn that into a piece of content to help whoever's doing the selling next time not even have that conversation because it's in our it's on the marketing side of your of the slider you described initially, right? So that, And this is usually goldmine information, which... And, and I've been in various right. firms I did not always have, or I was had to ask for, and then it was mm -hmm. like pulling teeth, blah, blah, blah. It's a very, that's a very good spot to close the loop, to use a consultant phrase, <laughs> between marketing and sales. Right. Bring back those, those negotiation <laughs> questions and objections. So we really yeah. love them. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's great. So do you guys want to poke and prod a little bit about CRM systems? It's, you know, everybody in the planet, it's one of those things, everybody in the planet has an opinion about CRM systems. And, you know, Flo, you said that you, you, you use a, a system and I've used a whole bunch of them. And because yeah. I know that's, this is the payoff for everybody. They're like, oh my gosh, we waited forever in this podcast. Now we're going to great. Now they're going to yeah, tell which us one exactly, should we buy? <laughs> they're going to tell us the best CRM system to go tell buy. Us, this Mark. is going to be great. They've yeah. been whole, they, they've been saying, talking about business processes and all this other stuff. Now we're going to tell them about CRM system. This is great. And we might not. <laughs> yeah no i i like we discussed this before right you you sent me a list of uh, systems we wanted to talk about i was like oh my god there's like 50 names i don't even know yeah. so maybe instead of discussing individual platforms could you i i, I really like your framing there of it's a business process first and software second and then maybe yeah. do you have a few pointers for firms as they maybe pick software or, or maybe you can share even some insight like what's the, yeah. what are the typical systems like if i'm a marketer and you know, I hear Ash and Flow tell tell me all the time I should familiarize myself with the CRM. Well, which one do do I learn, right? 
which what's a good thing to do for for a career. I often like you know you, with the big names always being Salesforce, yeah. uh, HubSpot. I don't know. I hear mean jokes being made about Microsoft products. <laughs> what's what's <laughs> what's your take on the landscape? Are there clear winners in the professional right. services space? Maybe that's my first question. Right. Good. Good question. Uh, yeah, you did mention a handful of them, and you know, and and we've we've talked about this in the past, and you know, one of the aha moments that you come across when you've dealt with so many CRM systems. I've been using CRM systems of some type for over fifteen years or so. You know, dating back to sort of the Microsoft contact manager days, which was their early sort of, you know, mentioned, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 It was right. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, it was probably on my Palm pilot or something like that. So it was, nice. you know, this is forever ago stuff to now I work with various systems across all my, my clients. And, uh, you know, I worked with uh, Salesforce for years and, and one of the aha moments, one of the funny things that we always, that I always mention and we, we talk about is that if you think about it, you know, what was the genesis of Salesforce, right? I think the genesis of Salesforce Salesforce was created to sell Salesforce, right? So, right. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's sort of that's and, and if people start to start to understand that, it's like Salesforce does a really fabulous job of selling a relatively low dollar, high volume SaaS product, right? Subscriptions, and, essentially, yeah. Yeah, okay, subscription, yeah. right? Yeah, right, that's gotcha. it. Yeah. And and if you look at CRM after <clears throat> CRM, and you're trying to find one that fits your professional services business, you start to understand pretty quickly that wow, this product that they're trying to sell to me is really designed to sell a low dollar software SaaS product at high volume. And it just doesn't fit professional services because professional services are again, you know, low volume, low quantity, high dollar, complex. And yeah. the tools are just not built that way. You know, it's like your revenue engine in professional services, you know, your pipeline cranks out a, you know, a $100,000 or a half a million dollar, a $50,000, you know, project, you know, project closed every, whatever, every week, every month, you know, yeah. whatever it is, chunk, chunk, right? That's it. You know, uh, you know, low dollar, high quantity, you know, SaaS products are, you know, thousand closes a day or, you know, whatever it is, right? It's just, and they're all 1995 a month. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. It's just going seat, 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 selling seats. So it's, they're radically different and it is really hard to find a wonderful, CRM product that fits your business process and your business needs from a professional services standpoint, because you're not an ideal client. Professional <clears throat> services firms are not ideal clients for CRM systems because they don't have an army of full-time salespeople. They don't have this high volume, low dollar sort of, you know, just, just yeah. crunching deals through situation. They have a lot of contacts and not a lot of opportunities, projects come and go. Um, so it is, it is hard. And I mean, if, you, not if you're impossible. a if you're a boutique, sorry for interrupting, what might be yeah. the case that there is because you mentioned the thousands of closes, right? If you're a boutique, might be you you don't even have any more at 10, 12 clients right. at right. any given time, and you're doing just fine, right? That's why I like your spreadsheet so much. Is I do, I might not even need a ginormous database right. to keep the overview over all my project because there's not that many, depending on how how my business is structured. Yeah, right? but yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah. to 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 get to because you asked the question is what are some of the things that are super important in a in any sort of even a spreadsheet, you know, yeah, you could use yeah. a CRM system a spreadsheet, whatever. The one of the most important things to integrate into that is that sales stages things and also sort of activities associated with different sales stages. Because yeah. at any moment you can have a handful of deals in your sales pipeline, and you have to know at at all at any moment in the day, you have to know what did I just do and what do I need to do next and when. 
right? So it's this, it's this activity, this tight activity focus that frankly, most CRM systems don't do a very good job of is what have I done? What do I need to do next? When do I need to do it? And oh, by the way, since I'm not sitting in my CRM system, staring at it all day long, cause I'm in Outlook and I'm in this other stuff cause I'm in professional services and I don't deal with CRM yeah, systems Yeah, interesting, long. that's true. I need yeah. a little reminder. Yeah. I need you to tell me this. I need you to remind me on Tuesday, I need to do this thing. And in order to keep the deal moving, I need to send a note, make a call, whatever it is. And most CRM systems don't do a very good job of just saying, hey, yeah, you're right. call Bill on Tuesday, call Bill on Tuesday. Because they're built, they're built to live in that, right? The sales, the professional sales people who do nothing else, they live in those things. They turn on the computer, fire up the Salesforce. That's yep, everything they need, day. right? Whereas the all consultant day. has yeah. to toggle tabs from PowerPoint or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, this never is, thought about um, that. Yeah, true. Yeah, uh, but this is so interesting because of the fact that um, I'm fully aware how many times people who've run events or people who've run basically a sales engagement forget to put things into the entire you know into the crm and they also have really data most a lot of places also have data issues on top of that so ultimately it's really hard for them to track the entire deal and you're like well we won that deal but we don't really know what we did here to get to that point right. yeah. because because the the people who are you know at those touch points literally did not track anything they did right. and looking at like professional services firms because there's huge turnover these people probably wouldn't be there in the company but and they need to like references again yeah yeah i like to say the fundamental reasons of, ha of having any process is to get better at yeah. it over time right that yeah. is why we sure. have processes yeah. it's not necessary it yeah. helps to let us know what to do next in the moment but most importantly yeah. it lets us improve over time right that's what yeah. processes are all about they're fundamentally put in place to run test and improve Right, that's what a process is all about. And if you aren't following the processes that are in place, or at least testing and experimenting and practicing with them, then you're not contributing to that that process improvement part. And you know, when you look at at sort of the department of, and I referenced this. It's so funny this comes up. I referenced this in a, in another podcast that I that I was was on. You know, the Department of Defense created this way decades ago to to assess their various processes and it has to do with maturity models and you know it's at one end it's sort of emerging everything's ad hoc there aren't really any processes in place next step is that we have some processes and some people are following them you know next is like we have processes people are following them you know and further steps are we have processes there are being followed and they're being improved right that is a critical step in the maturity of any business process is that you are improving your processes so if you're not following them or at least testing them to see if they work or not and then seeing how you might change them you're not improving and organizations that are mature to the level where they are operating at a at a process improvement level, you know, like lean six sigma, that yeah. kind of stuff are, mm -hmm. are hitting it out of the park. They're the ones that are making, you know, $500,000 per, you know, of annual revenue per employee. You know, they are those, those organizations that are running incredibly high profit margins that are focused on ultimate client value, not sort of inputs and work to be done. You know, they are the high flyers and nice. they are ones that, that just are, are just leading the, leading the charge. So it all has to do with that, not just having a process, but using it enough to get better at it. But can I, 
so take notes people no no more excuses right yeah because that, that's also the vicious circle of excuses right oh the data is crappy so i'm not putting my stuff into the crm anyways because no one uses it because the data is crappy yeah no surprise sir anyways the, you you were just saying uh you know not not all the crms do a decent job at being being yeah. professional services friendly but do you and you can name names on this podcast i don't care mm. do you have do you have recommendations do you want to give them or is like sure Whatever yeah, what should they use? Sure. Yeah, right. Let's get to it. What should they use? Well, you know, uh, uh, and, and I'll, I'll, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna caveat that just a little bit, right? And it sure. a lot of CRM systems depend on the existing technology systems that are in your organization, right? It is it is naive mm -hmm. to think that you can take any any CRM system and just drop it into organization and have it integrate well with everything else you're doing. So that is a huge deal, because. If we're talking about professional services, if we're talking about firms that don't necessarily have many or any full-time salespeople who aren't who don't have a, a twenty-four-seven, you know, kind of high-flying, you know, dedicated sales sales practice, and they aren't in their CRM system all day long, they have to have something that integrates into their other systems, right? Yeah. So for for organizations that are that are you know in, entwined very very deeply with with Microsoft. Dynamics is 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 helpful. Dynamics generally needs a good bit of customization, and it's also very expensive. And one of the things about Dynamics is and Salesforce and some of those more expensive CRM systems is that they need to be administered, meaning that you need to have a, a technical, you know, an yeah. internal and an external technical resources in order to administer those. So you have to have the resources not just to pay your seats and you know all that stuff, but you have to have someone who could administer that. So that's a that's a big deal. In the past, I have used Zoho, um, HubSpot's. You know, HubSpot's kind of an interesting one. You know, Hub, HubSpot's Genesis. You know, they kind of, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm. They sort of invented this whole sort of you know inbound sort of concept of marketing, right? It's like we're going to be a yeah. we're going to be a content engine, and people that's going to generate leads, inbound leads, right? We're and they they really <clears throat> grab. So they created a tool to be able to receive, create content, push it out, receive those leads, and their CRM system works okay, but you can clearly see if you spend any time with HubSpot, their CRM system is sort of duct taped on the side of their marketing <laughs> yeah. engine, right? <laughs> yeah. um, which is which which is 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 fine. Um, I was yeah. gonna say it's it I find it covers it can cover quite a lot of mm. Uh, not super sophisticated use case. Let's let's put it that way, right? right? For, which which actually shops, is okay, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it's okay. I think we get into trouble if things get more sophisticated. I've used Insightly. I haven't used it for some time. I currently use Nimble, and I use Nimble because it has a couple really killer functions. And um, first of all, it's not very expensive, so it's 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 affordable for most most smaller organizations. And it has a keep in touch functionality and i'm going to define that a keep in touch functionality and even the high flyers don't have this salesforce dynamics they do not have it a keep in touch functionality is if you have you know 500 contacts in your crm system you can you can you know tag 50 of those individuals in there as these are people that are important to me and i want to keep in touch with them you then take those individuals and assign a particular contact cadence with all of those individuals, I need to stay in touch with this person every 90 days, this person 180 days, this person's fine. I, I can, every year is sufficient for me to just sort of oh, nice. make sure I'm connected yeah. to them. And then it constantly yeah. provides these reminders to use like, hey, you're three months overdue and staying in touch with so-and-so. Hey, you're three weeks uh, past the time where you wanted to stay in touch with Bob. 
and it does this in the year they are they are these nice little persistent reminders they're not date based you can put a reminder on your calendar on you know like uh, june 15th to contact so and so but i'll yeah. tell you what if june 15th comes and goes and that reminder isn't persistent you forget so it has a very specific functionality where it says it's a persistent reminder that says you still have not contacted Bob. It's like an overdue um, thing right. in my. It's a little overdue thing. It's a little overdue thing. And very few systems have this in place, but it's super helpful for for kind of the fundamental reason. And Ash, I think we've sorry, uh, Flo. I think we've we've talked about this. Ash is like we didn't talk about it. Um, Flo, we've talked about this. Is like the fundamental function of CRM systems is customer relationships. That's yeah. it, right? We've lost track of it. We just like CRM is just like this tool. It's like, no, customer relationships. And this keep in touch functionality is killer because it enables you to actually maintain those customer relationships. You know, a lot of times I'll you know, be working with my clients and I'll say, hey, you've got a good list of contacts here. You should go reach out to so-and-so. It's like, oh, I would, it would feel awkward because I haven't been in touch with them for three years. That's so true. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why? If they're an important contact, why have you not been yeah. with them for three years. It's like oh, I was busy. I was doing stuff. I can't believe it's been three years. And, it's like, well, yeah. I need some help. And 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 to ask to your earlier point, I mean, if if you were to have some discipline around that stuff, and I personally try to, but I'm not great at it. Um, that aside, um, if you were to do that more regularly, the data quality issues you might still have, they probably become less and less. I mean, there's other technologies nowadays, enrichment tools. You can look at LinkedIn, blah blah, to keep track of people. But one of the issues some of my clients still have is they have these email addresses and then you do, you send something out and half of them come back because it turns out that people, that person has left, like the business email address and stuff is no longer valid, right? They changed job mm -hmm. to two times in those three years you just mentioned where there was no contact. So yeah, if the relationship gets stronger and the data, the data quality should trend upwards over time, which that I also like yeah. that idea, right? Yeah. 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 There's a, there's, and I'll, I'll add this note when we're talking about CRM systems and, you know, there's a bunch of other names that, you know, I've tried a ton, you know, I've tested, you know, for either, you know, probably months sort of thing, pipe drive and prosper, prosper works. And some of these may have been acquired ever since, you know, it's, they all kind of yeah. change names and they're going keep close sugar pipeline deals. You know, there's a whole bunch of them out there and there's just so there's so many, um, but uh, what's fundamentally important, there's two things I'll say. This fundamentally important is that you need to have business processes in place. Because CRM is a business process first and a technology software tool second. You know, I would love for firms to have cre created business processes, things they're doing, a series of activities, information they're gathering, data, that they have this process in place and they're doing these activities. And all of the people who are involved in sales are pulling their hair out saying, we need a tool. We desperately need a tool to help us organize these efforts and to organize our opportunities. And we're freaking out and just, we need a tool. And you say, oh, great, there's CRM. You know, and they say, oh, and it's wonderful and it works great. So now they have a business process that drives yeah. a tool adoption. <laughs> but it's what happens, the other thing happens is like, you know, somebody yeah. who has a wild hair goes out and buys a tool and drops a license on top of everybody in the firm and says, here, go use it. And there's no urgency. There's no, they haven't, don't have a business process. They don't have a practice of, you know, outbound outreach, um, staying in touch, you know, running opportunities through uh, and, a rigorous pipeline. Yeah, and, and to your uh, to your earlier point, definitions, yeah. right? I mean, I, I, I'm i on HubSpot, I can say this. So you open up HubSpot for the first time, there is deal stages in there. Yeah. 
They're just there. So, but the tool doesn't tell you, or maybe it doesn't. I haven't read the documentation. <laughs> Thinking about it, that could be true. But but you should you should have, even if there is documentation, you should have your own definition to be very clear about it, right? Mm, I think that yeah. was the very first point you made. And I come across yeah. this. As, as a layperson who works around CRMs, but I come across that part so often, either there is no definitions or sort of going back to the entire point of this discussion, there is, there is but, um, and I've, I've worked in marketing agencies where this was the case. People had beautifully designed, sophisticated sales processes, even with like to your earlier point, with helpers for the different stages and it and it was rotting in some powerpoint somewhere in sharepoint and no one who was running the business <laughs> used right. it and you could clearly tell in the winning streaks of the teams who were the few people who were doing it for lack of a better word by the book because they were they had a win rate that was like twice as good as everybody else's mm. and if you went, worked in and were like hey the last pitch you did how did you do it and they sort of cooked up their own stuff and it wasn't working so that was a right. short rant but i think that yeah, yeah, that's yeah. also <laughs> very important right I mean, besides that flow i just I I just want to add because I was involved in like purchasing enterprise software in place. One of the things that you have to look into before you purchase is make sure that there is an education component because mm. if they don't have a team that teaches yeah. you, you're going to be in the same situation where you are. I mean, I understand when it's a single user license, but when it's like a large company, right. you, you better and have that education right. element. But but right. to well, to Mark's earlier point, I think where that breaks down and and. Uh, is that yeah? These guys are used to I don't know the, the software's used to sell subscriptions, right? And and I don't maybe to just give people one practical example like all these these the the the, the stage buckets and stuff. You can use these to drive projection reports out of a CRM, mm -hmm. right? Oh yeah. And if if yeah. the CRM is built to sell a subscription license and there's a fixed price per seat plus minus maybe a discount, right? You get a reliable pipeline prediction out of there pretty quickly yeah. now with a consulting deal to your early example mark where the overall opportunity maybe is a quarter million dollars but in negotiation which keep in mind that's very late in the stages right we decide on just settle for the 50 out of those 250 first right suddenly all the numbers like this there's there's nuances to these types of mm -hmm. things which you will probably not hear during the typical crm onboarding process because these people are not or not, maybe not as well. Maybe some of them are. I should be mm, fair here. Yeah. But but I've sat through a few of them where it was clear that they have a playbook that's not, to Mark's point, tailored to the professional services world and the intricacies there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good point. Good point. And and I, I mentioned I was going to say a, a, a couple of things with the the and there might be a couple more. <laughs> um, uh, one of the important uh, elements of adoption has to do with um, making the use of a CRM system, a compulsory part of a sales process, not that you're twisting someone's arm to use it, but you're, 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 you're creating an element, a step, a particular thing that is done in your business's sales process that needs to be driven by the tool. You know, whether it's, you know, your qualifications are your qualification questions for that conversation are baked into your CRM system. So you have to turn to the CRM system and complete the form, you know, with the qualification questions and getting their notes and responses and everything else, or, you know, whatever else it is um, that helps adoption. Not again, not in an arm twisting way, but creating an element of your sales process that is baked into your CRM system yeah. that makes using the CRM system compulsory that that speeds adoption because the reality is most professional services firms can close a deal without ever touching a CRM system. Yeah. Like they just don't have to use it. There's no compulsory part of it that makes their sales process less than someone else who is using the CRM system. So you have to figure out what that is 
and bake part of your sales process into it. The other note I wanted to say, and this deviates a little bit from CRM systems, is that there's this interesting genre of apps that's emerging called PRM, uh, personal relationship management. And a lot of these, it's interesting, you've seen it, you're, you're seeing it throughout the pandemic and other things like that is that, um, and a lot of them are sort of personal, um, um, sort of relationship based sort of stuff, just like friends losing track of friends. And one of them's a coder and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to make an app that sits on my phone that's going to remind me that it's been six months since I've talked to my good friend, Bill, right? So that whole genre of, of apps is starting to emerge right now. And one of the interesting things is, is for a business user, it's a little tricky because a lot of them just live on your phone and they aren't tied into sort of like systems and larger business um, mm. systems. I think they will at some point. I think it's going to integrate and be really sweet. But one of the cool things about having a PRM, a personal relationship management system built on your phone, is that it records when you email them, when you call them, and when you text them. So it's so cool. You know, you could say, oh my gosh, it's been, you know, you know, three months since I've talked to Bill, here's my little reminder to talk to Bill. I sent Bill a text, boom, you know, there was my interaction. So it's an interesting thing. And again, it's a lot of these are driven from the pandemic where people have lost touch of each other and they're starting to emerge. There's a few out there. There's one called Dex, there's Levitate, there's Nat app. Um, there's Monica, I think is actually kind of an open source solution. There's a hand, and if you search, you can find them. So they're really compelling, and they start to bridge this CRM business thing and this PRM personal thing. And they're interesting tools, and I they're they're worth if you have you know if there are individuals in your audience that say, look, I'm just having a really hard time keeping track of important people in my life, business or otherwise. These are really compelling tools. Interesting. Yeah. I think that was. Man, that was uh, sixty minutes almost worth of lots of great insight, <laughs> yeah. and I could and I could go on, but I think we gotta we gotta wrap wrap yeah. this wrap here. This Perfect. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Mark. That was great overview over how you get from thinking about a business process that's essentially made up of conversations, right, and yeah. relationships, into at the end sort of yeah tooling that right using using software. I I think that's that will be quite helpful for people. And I also think that that's not everything to know about sales process and CRM, but it's a it's a that would be maybe a good start, right? Eighty twenty rule that that should get get you quite a quite a long way. So yeah. I'll say thank you for that brilliant stuff. The last question we then always have at this point in time is where, where should we send people to if they want to hear or read more, more from you and or yeah. you know sort of build upon what we've just heard and really get into the weeds of all these things, right? <clears throat> I hopefully have an informative website at wainwrightinsight.com. I am a, a, a frequent flyer, I guess, on, on LinkedIn. So I use that channel. That's an important channel for me and, and hopefully my audience. So um, either of those are great channels to get in touch with me. I've um, recorded a, a number of podcasts, including your uh, great show. I, I appreciate all of you, the work you guys are doing. I appreciate you inviting me to join you. Uh, this has been a, a great conversation. So um, yeah, I'm happy to, to chat with any and all, and this has been a great conversation. Nice. So thank you for joining us, Mark and Flo, any last words? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the recording here and I say have a nice Friday and then weekend eventually or for the people who download this on Monday, which according to my stats is quite a chunk of you have a nice start into the week. I don't know. There we go. Thanks for
for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 